Hi everyone, welcome to Forest Spirituality with Julie Brett. I uh, would like to invite you on this journey with me to explore nature spirituality. Um, my path is in Druidry, Celtic nature spirituality, and um, I am in Australia, so I look at all different kinds of ways that we connect with nature. I'd like to acknowledge that I'm recording this podcast on Darug and Gundungara country in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. And I pay my respects to the elders past and present, to all the Aboriginal community here that's taught me so much, and um, to also to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who might be listening today. I acknowledge your ancestors too, dear listener, wherever they're from in the world. Um, my owner from from Britain, the British Isles, um, but I live here in Katoomba on Darug and Gundungara country. Uh, today I've got an interview for you with David King, who's a Gundungara man, who uh, runs the Gargari Swamp Care Project down at the Gully here in Katoomba, which has a really interesting history and was part of uh, the book that I've published recently called Belonging to the Earth, Nature Spirituality in a Changing World. I interviewed David while he was driving. He is an amazing person who works as a um, a transport driver for the hospitals um, full-time while also doing so much for our community um, culturally, teaching people about Aboriginal culture and um, he's always there for welcome to countries and, and um, is really approachable and amazing and, um, yeah, shares a lot um, of culture with everybody. Uh, so, yeah, we met via the um, Gargari project that they do down there at the gully where we, we do bush restoration and um, weeding and and um, it's uh, yeah really lovely community project. Uh, so I talked to David about what that place means to him and to the Gunungara community here um, and yeah the history behind it and how it, uh, they're related to the, the dam, the Warragamba Dam region which used to be the Baragrang Valley and how important that area is for story with the story of Garangutch and Miragang uh, moving through there on the river. And um, yeah, the, also the ecological effects of putting in a dam or the raising of the dam wall, um, which is just such an important issue in our community at the moment. We really hope that that doesn't go ahead because of the effects not only for the um, ecology there, but also for the cultural significance of it, of course. And it was so good to hear David explain this from um, his perspective and from that cultural perspective that he comes from. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, recorded over the phone, so the sound quality isn't great and we, we cut in and out a couple of times as he went through tunnels and through bad patches of service, so I hope you can forgive that, but it was a really great thing to be able to talk to him and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Quite interesting, the gully, because... I think it like it was based on dispossession, but the choice to go to the gully was actually made by Billy Lynch. So I think there's one word in there I always change because we always like um, look at most places where you're actually placed. But he was he actually chose to go there, which sort of safe to say it's sort of a weird concept. And I, I had a quick look this morning. I'll I'll get back into it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, any edits you want to make to it, just let me know. So, yeah, there was a, a sentence there, because I remember when we did the signs for the gully, mm-hmm. 
the, the, the bloke from Northern Territory, because he'd worked with a lot of people up the top end. Yeah. He'd, um, he used the word that we retreated, and we sort of went, oh, we didn't actually retreat in the gully. We're in the Megalong, and yes, we've got dispossessed there, but then they chose to go to that site and live there. So it's a little bit, it's funny in Aboriginal history, most people were dispossessed and placed. Right. We were actually dispossessed and chose to go to that spot and somehow survived. Right. So, so it was yeah, a choice of Until 57 when council displaced us. So yeah. <laughs> they put the bulldozers through the whole joint. Yeah. So it's a funny, It's that's why I think whenever we're around the country about it, it's always that little bit different, eh? Hey? It's just that slight tangent. So you could write it a certain way 98 times and then you strike the gully and I'm assuming there could be other spots where people were able to actually get away and sort of survive, you know? Yeah. So so you're saying Megalong, that... You're sorry, you're saying that people chose to go there? So Billy Lynch was told that basically that piece of land was government land and they could actually sit there technically under squatters' rights, but not as squatters. Yeah. And then because it was government land, then the whole dispossession when the when the government gave land to people to farm yeah. shouldn't happen. And therefore, no. you know, there was that 60 years where they actually could stay in one spot yeah. as opposed to Currumburra Preserve where my grandfather was only able to stay there for about, you know, six years. What? Oh, Where's the, what's that? Where is that? Um, so in the Megalong, there's another Aboriginal place oh, called okay. Karanburra Preserve. Okay. And Karanburra Preserve was deemed an AP from about 1897 till about 1904, 1905. And then they had to move again. And that's oh. when they went to the gully. That's when my granddad came up to the gully. Right. So, so there was that constant flow of dispossession, like from the Barragarang, then across to the Megalong, mm. and then the gully looked like it was going to be all good until council decided to make a car racing track, hence yeah. the 57 dispossession. Yeah. Right, so... Yeah, life with, life with no rights, eh? Just because yeah. you were of a certain culture. Yeah. So yeah. so, so the people were in the Burragrang Valley beforehand? My family, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, my, my clan is Burragrang clan, yeah. Right. And so you so, guys must have quite a connection then to the to the dam and everything that happens there. Are you able to even go in there? It's all. Um, so thankfully, Artie Sharon, um, I think she needs like it's really hard because like like I got to work a nine to five job to pay the bills, and Artie Sharon should have retired, but she suspends the whole retirement going to meetings mm. for the love of culture, and eventually years ago got access through water got a key and when possible we get permission so Arnie Sharon does have a key and gets approval so I think we're going down there with someone from the federal government Saturday week right oh good to try and explain to them why we don't want the wall increased yeah yeah so what what is the threat there for you guys if the wall is increased um well traditionally that's the beginning of the Garangutch and Merrigan story yeah. for the Gundungra Nation. So even though it's it's sort of interesting, I always have a bit of an opinion that your clan country and your law country are technically sort of separate, but um, it is a part of Barragrang clan. It is where the, the water holes are, which Garangutja, Merrigan, where the commencement of the journey out through 
you know, Wombi and Janol and back up to Katoomba. So it is the loss of some of your major sites in your dream time story if that dam gets increased. So that's from a cultural viewpoint. From an ecological viewpoint, the amount of trees and threatened species and just flora fauna that you would lose, you may never get back. There has to come a point where you just realise um, this earth runs on a balance and if you don't keep the balance, then you see some of the decimation you see now, you know. Yeah. People have to click. There's got to be a point where you go, you just can't keep on spreading suburbs out for eternity because you're in a finite place. You know, it's not infinite. Yeah. So what would you guys prefer to see happen there? Um, the, the dam just stays at its current height. Yeah, just, yeah. You wouldn't have it taken away? Um, I think it's... Yeah, I, I couldn't see that ever being possible. Yeah. Um, I, I think when it comes to water management, there's got to be a lot more onus put on um, people's responsibility. So quite often there's always a concept within certain elements of society, you can just build things in certain areas and it'll all function successfully and forever. Mm. But I think there has to come a point where your, your footprints outgrow your initial planning so that dam would have been planned for a lot smaller Sydney mm. um, increasing the dam is, is not based on what they're saying that it's a flood mitigation that's that's one small element of a flood mitigation risk there's a lot more areas that relate to floods and Australia is a flood plain mm. culturally it's it's always been a flood plain it's not it's not the sort of um, piece of earth that, that has massive river systems it's it's not a, a, a river system it's a flood system so mm. I think that they've got to look at different ways that they can utilize water management apart from the dam and on top of that I just think from an engineering perspective if you have a look at the way the dam was built in the first place the uh, the, the balance on the current height is intricate so they've had to stabilize that putting more meters on it it's just got to add more risk and you'd, you'd hate to see something happen in a negative way if that dam had an issue you know because yeah. that would then definitely cause a lot more issues than just a spillway yeah for sure um go on if you want uh, i was just gonna say i i remember in the job i worked for this one when brisbane flooded um they they went through the whole concept of what caused the floods and it was basically not managing their, their dam. So Wivenhoe Dam reached a certain percentage. Um, they should have released water. No one took the action and they said what happened was you had an overflow. So technically increasing the size increases your volume and then when it fills up again, uh, you just can't keep on adding to the top of it. You, you've got to work on flood mitigation and that's why mm. there's spillways there. So, you know, apart from the, the cultural impact um, and the environmental impact, there's also the concept we've got to start sort of looking at the way we can be more responsible with our resource management, mm. which you know, culturally is just something, it, it's just annoying when you look at it from an Aboriginal perspective, your resources were managed to continue, not to run out. There was no sort of tipping points. There were no sort of 
you know, end of cycle, it, it, you always were confident your resources would be there and increasing. It's just a whole different world viewpoint. And, you know, I just think the viewpoint that's currently being utilised compared to what was there for thousands of years, um, they somehow never line up to the stuff that made this place last. Mm. How important do you feel it is that um, governments, like, like what sort of involvement would Aboriginal communities have ideally with decision-making on these kinds of things? Um, it would be great if they consulted to try and, before they signed off, put a strategy into place. I, I mean, they're not, they're not without their own ability to actually realise how this place functions. It's just they seem to roadmap from a different part of the world. They just seem to view it at a different place as opposed to where they are now. So at some point you've got to sit down and agree it's a very arid, dry, sandy, low-nutrient country, so therefore you've got to look at it, how it functions. And, you know, um, I remember talking to a school group once and it was flooding across New South Wales and I said, you know, that was a trigger culturally. There was a big meeting place. So you, you had these cycles, you know. Um, we didn't have these massive floods. Like, this sort of stuff is a bit strange. Mm. But there were... the. The, the ebbs and flows of an environment which you had to plan for. So if governments, yeah, sat down with people while they're still here and chatted about how things function, then then maybe you'd bring more success and a lot less stress because uh, I think our society's getting more on edge as we have more risks and more, you know, um, many disasters. There were one in 100, there were one in 50, sitting it down to one in 10. Next one is going to be every week or something if they keep on changing their strategy. Mm. So, so what kind of sites were were lost down there when when you guys were had to be moved and it, and the inundation happened and things like that? Is there a historical record so, of what was lost? So, on your your, your clan country, you just got to look at it as any sort of major township. It's probably the best way to explain it. Hey, right. So, your you, you, your clan group country predominantly covered most elements of society so whether it was through food through housing through water through burial through sites where specific genders would go and sit through different pathways for different journeys um those elements are there like we work off a we don't work off a linear sort of alpha and omega um timeline we work off circular so in our Mines, it's all still there, it's just it's underwater. Mm. But you've lost that connection, so where you would journey and where it would help you become the person you were going to be within your actual clan and within your nation, um, you no longer have access to that. So, yeah. How does that affect community, not being able to access that kind of thing? Um, it's, it's quite a mental strain because of the fact... Like, I, I, I look at the, the stuff I get to function in. So, you know, I was asked to make sure I looked after country and on this part of the country, because you have so much government-owned land, I, I get the opportunity where a lot of Aboriginal nations across Australia, um, it's privately owned, so you don't get that chance to function. So you feel like you let your elders down and... If you can't keep your, your moiety totem skin process going, then, then technically you haven't fulfilled what you're supposed to do. Mm. 
So it's almost like, you know, it's, yeah. And is, is that about, like, performing ceremony in particular places? Is that what you mean by um, needing to have access there to do your... Ceremony, keeping the country, yeah. keeping country alive, keeping your, your, your next generation's stories going so that they can keep... So it's that continual circle, that continual connection and um, without that access. So I've technically never journeyed on my Burragarang clan country to ceremony as opposed to like what I have on my mum's country in Kadumba clan so in Kadumba clan country I've been able to have that opportunity in Darabalak clan which is a part of my song line so out of my two areas where um, I would have done my ceremonial journey I've been able to access but that third one is a is a, is a tougher one to access because of um, it's standing under government land ownership so yeah. it's schedule one so oh. it's protected water area. So they don't let people in there lightly. Yeah. Right. That must be a real blow. It saddens me um, because, yeah, I my, my maternal connection is through the Baragarang. And it, thankfully, I had a lot of uncles that talked to me when I was a kid who shared me the stories. But it's weird when you don't visualise it and walk on it, hey, you can. You know it, but you just, yeah, it, it, walking country is a, is a big thing. Getting access to country, that's a lot of the difficulties and a lot of the um, issues quite often facing our culture is that, that no access on, or no right to then practice your culture. You know, you've, you've been denied something that that's a part of you and therefore they sort of wonder why you break at certain points, you know, you don't have mm. that, yeah, that sense of peace and that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, and and on a, like the book that I'm writing is, is a, it's about nature spirituality, like on a personal, like on a spiritual level for you, like what is it, is that something you're missing on that level as well? Um, yeah, because you, certain, certain sites on all clan areas and across country, have different meanings. So, if, if I was a, a little young fella, I'd I'd work, I'd walk on the pathways that a little young fella would walk with his aunts and uncles, you know. And then, as I got a bit older, I'd be shown other pathways. And then, as I went into that sort of adulthood area, you then get and your pathways would increase and your stories would increase and your dream time connections and your dreaming connections mm. so it's, it's a continual story of growth um yeah you sort of miss that you sort of only got what you've got left because of everything that was dispossessed you don't get that full flourishing journey because you can't access it so it's either been bulldozed built on locked gates so um some of those sites that would be a part of your journey you, you may never get access to right and and in some ways that's that's denying you access to certain teachings is it? yeah because country yeah. talks you yeah. know it's um like in, in that workshop we came along to you know we um we got chatting about the fact that it's quite amazing how many sites in this current sort of uh, society were named after sites that sort of were there during Aboriginal culture. It's quite funny how people name something and you go, 
Gee, that's how we used it. It's just funny how you must have sensed it, you know, and that sort of sense of connection, that sense of country being alive and talking. Mm. You don't sit on those sides and you don't get out there and you don't get, you know, to walk with your with your uncles and then with your aunts. Then, um, yeah, you don't get to hear that and you don't get to sense it and then you don't get that part of your growth in your life, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's like sort of spiritual in the sense that it's about personal growth and understanding and all those connections yeah it's it's alive it it talks um Mm. yeah you you see and hear things that you need to see and hear when you sit on those sites and um yeah it's it's just it's 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 i was just thinking about i don't know i was talking to you either yesterday or, or today about the removal of trees and i cannot remember anyone ever telling me about removal of trees in my Aboriginal culture. Mm. It was always like you cared for country. Um, the, the, the timbers you connected, you always made sure it wasn't a part of habitat, so you made sure it was technically usable. You always gave thanks for it. You know, there was nothing like you just went through and took out a whole paddock and then set fire to it. Um, mm. you, you always utilised what was available for its purpose and you're always thankful for it, you know, where everybody now just sees everything is in the road of their own thing and then there's no concept of what might be utilising that piece of land, you know, and it's just it's just destructive. Yeah. yeah. So, like Aboriginal culture seems to not be putting humans first. It's like we're part of the whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a web of life. It's a, it's a full ecosystem. We're a part of that ecosystem and without people seeing that ecosystem functioning as a as a web then um once you break it then you see the issues you see that are happening in society today because mm. it's pathways you know like i do bush care and one of the things that we always talk about it's not just about looking after your site it's actually keeping your pathway alive because we all use pathways it's just if, if we don't realize the connection across country then then all that happens is you decimate one area and then you wonder why it no longer functions because you haven't seen it's a part of a pathway it's mm. a it's a whole different mentality hey yeah that's like the dam the dam's like oh well we're just gonna leave all our water here see it never worked like that you always moved around to keep everything alive and clean and functioning so you know there were many water areas that you would go to and you never utilized one until it was nothing you know you 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 functioned across multiple sites there were no single points of failure yeah like it's the whole system seems it's about sustainability and yeah yeah and keeping everything healthy and you respected Gunaidaru, which was Mother Earth. You realised that she provided, you know. There was, like, that, that concept that, that Mother Earth provided and, yeah, you, you never stepped away from being thankful for that. Mm. How important is that in your life today, doing that? Um, it's, it's huge. We, yesterday when I was um, leaving for work, I think one of the biggest joys was that... Um, one of the fronds on our tree fern, which is just outside our study window, was hanging down, so we just thought we'd move it, not realising it was sitting inside. It was a part of the uh, little mum and bub ringtail possums mm-hmm. tree fern burl, and so we were apologising to the two little possums for disturbing their sleep, and um, you know, realising that, that it isn't just a 
an address for um, a few human beings. It's actually an address for a whole set of frogs, snakes, spiders, possums, owls. And, you know, it, when you start realising you don't live at the street address of um, a couple of people, um, I think then you start to realise that Mother Earth is important and it isn't just what I can build as a pathway for where I want to go to with where we all go to together. And, um, yeah, you're, you're thankful that your tree ferns are alive and provide housing for a lovely couple of little ring-tail possums. Yeah, beautiful. Do you think that um, most Australians could do well to learn a bit about Aboriginal culture and those sorts of connections? For, for sure. Yeah. It would be, be lovely to not have that whole fear factor that every time something doesn't work, you know, um, technically blasted out of out of Earth's stratosphere. You actually look at why it's happening, you know, like I, I look at this mice flag and sort of think, mm. okay, how did that happen? And if you, if you read some of the environmental books, you realise that when we keep a balance across our environment, then generally one element will not get into a plate proportion, you know. You, yeah. If you look at, um, take an overseas example with a lot of the forestry work in different European countries, they don't wipe out their spiders and insects and bird life, they actually build sort of nesting boxes so that way if something starts to get, there's always that, that balance. We seem to not understand keeping balance, keeping life within the earth will bring us more success in my opinion. So I think if people understood culturally how things work, then I, I, I personally believe we'd be a lot healthier and a lot happier. Yeah, so Aboriginal practices um, could help us with agriculture and water management yeah. and land management and all of that stuff. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be a never-ending cycle if you try and keep your soil to the nutrient level that you require to, to grow the crops you think you need, where if you start to look at the, the base nutrient level of our soils in Australia, you mm. find it to be a different set of crops. And um, in my opinion, the, the crops you grow here are quite unique worldwide, so they're from a if you have to go the economic pathway, which seems to be the driver, um, economically you could make enough coin which would far exceed the battles you do now trying to make the economic value that you make. It would be less resource heavy. It would be quite, yeah, I think you could sit back a bit more and enjoy the countryside if you uh, mm. grew crops which related to the nutrients of our, our mm. agriculture. Yeah, looking at native plants yeah, yeah, like yeah, different plants, your bushtaka, your native animals that were eaten, you know, mm. just, yeah, and then once you see that start flowing, then, you, you know, I just think what you need to do to keep everything alive now, the cost behind that and the stress would, would dissipate and go away. Yeah, keeping yeah. The, the traditional balance of it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you've, you're doing a lot of work, like, caring for the land at the gully there and doing the... Is it land care or bush care? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> I don't know either. Because today we've got a land care award and a bush care award and we call ourselves swamp care. Right. <laughs> I came, I came so, down a, like, to the last one down there. It was yeah, really nice to be a part yeah. of it. It was cool. Um, so what's it's, the goal it's there? It's brilliant because from a community perspective... So, so, so that's where my mum was born, so yeah. trying to keep that 
that that place how it was before 57 and all the changes is pretty key not just for me but for everybody connected to that site so the gully really before they bulldozed it um it was uh, an aboriginal camp so i run people Oh, you there? Hello? Yeah. Oh, are you there? Oh, sorry, I lost you for a few seconds there. You you just started talking about it. Am I back again? Yep, I've got you back again now. But um, you were just talking about how your mum was born there and... Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, and and so, so from an Aboriginal perspective, a lot of people were still allowed sort of be Aboriginal. So there were still these government laws floating around which they were inflicting on people in the gully that generally you still could maintain some culture. Mm. So what it means for those people of the gully, despite the hurt and the brokenness of when they were, you know, finally bulldozed out in 57, um, there's that connection to their culture and by restoring that site by having an Aboriginal place looking like it generally was on on the Gundungra landscape Mm. um, gives the people the opportunity to sit and connect, reconnect, uh, listen, dream, that that whole element that we just discussed that quite often you might not get now because you could be locked out of the sites that were around for thousands of years. There is that little bit of a a window of opportunity to sit down there so hence um i do swamp care because it brings back country you know it brings mm-hmm. back pathways um the, the the plants and animals get a chance to sort of come back home as well um and you know and then the aboriginal people that were connected to that site and that pathway can sit and uh and dream again so i think it's a a unique and special place so it's an honor just to have some time and to get people along from community to come and help us you know because it's it's a lot of acreage it's a lot of weeds and without help we're not going to make it so it's it's great to see that everybody gets involved and, and helps us bring back those those sites and um as people feel comfortable they can then sit down and share their stories you know yeah great and um how do you feel about like all of the introduced species that are in a place like that because or in Katoomba um, in general. I, I 100% oppose them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, some of my family so I can't say that. Um, <laughs> because it's like anything. We sort of, yeah, we, we, we look at, I don't know, we look at our country as if it's like set up wrong. I just sort of think, mm. you know, everything is perfect and has a purpose. So culturally, uh, nothing nobody and nothing's a waste of time it all has a reason for being you know so when we all sit together um, we're all important and when we look at our plants and our animals they're all important if you do have to partake to eat you're thankful you're thankful for being provided that but you don't take everything you it's uh so when i look at exotic species i sort of wonder why people didn't like the items that we eat because we've got Mm enough nice stuff and it was here originally for a good reason yeah. so um yeah i'm not the best person to ask about i remember you saying as well though things. that there was a story about blackberry that that there were dreaming stories about blackberries you know, what happened was when i started doing the plan to the swamp kid oh, oh. the radiata pines and all the blackberries 
and some of the exotic fruit trees, but apparently my... Oh, I've lost you. Don't know if you can hear me. Oh, yeah, I'm sort of coming back. You're coming back. Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, we're back on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You don't need to start so, talking about the blackberry. Sorry. No, yeah, so it was, a, it was a funny thing. I, in my plan of management, wanted to go 100% native Australia, but they told me there were certain trees that had a connection through survival, and they even said that my great-grandma, Alice Cooper, planted a radiata pine, which I have no idea why she would have done it, but there must have been a love for that tree, so I have to leave some of the elements because it's a part of the story. And there was also the challenge of when we do regenerate, um, that we look at how we can utilise the plants, not just wipe them out, because one of the uncles said to me, it's not their fault they're here, so treat them like you would any native Australian plant mm. and, and manage it into its reason for being sort of thing, hey. Mm. So the blackberries, have, some of them have to stay because I made them instead of her family and they sold them to the cake shop uptown. That's how they made a bit of money. Mm. So therefore it's a part of the story. So I have to um, cope with that. I don't cope very well with it. Mm. Yeah, I, I struggle <laughs> with this stuff too because I, I help with the community gardens on the yeah. north side. And yeah. um. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I would love to have more bush tucker and things in there, but we've got apple trees and lots of fruit yeah. trees and vegetable gardens and things like that. And it's always like, I mean, and, and I'm my, my sort of cultural, spiritual interest is called druidry. So it's okay. all like Celtic nature spirituality, but we have quite a love of trees and all yeah. of the European trees and, and sort of understanding how we can have you know, relate to the land here as well as our ancestral stuff. This is quite an interesting yeah. question. It is an interesting journey because when I went to uni, that's where the uncles, when we sort of said what we did in Bushcare, went, so you're just like everything else, you're just killing it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's quite a good concept. It's not the fox's fault they're here. Yeah. So why treat it in the way you do? Think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't go poisoning these animals. Look at what yeah, their purpose are, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, cool. Um, hang on, I'll just double check my notes and see if I've missed any questions that I had for you. Um, I, think, I, I think couple. that's about that's about it for now. Um, because okay. I didn't want cool. to make so it I'm too long. Because I'll end up. Okay, cool. Um, so, but if there are other, if there are other questions, I can definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I think that's heaps, and I'll I'll um I'll take some quotes and kind of put it in a story, yeah. um because okay. it's kind of a bit of a I don't know storytelling type book, um yeah. and I'll include some of the quotes of the things that you said in cool. there. And, and I'll um, just change that one word. It's quite interesting. It's it's probably a hundred like I said ninety eight percent accurate, except um every so often the the gully it is a bit unique. It's quite interesting. The more I learn about it, the more I understand the more I realised the strength in someone like Billy Lynch from the Darabalat clan mm. to make a decision. So someone's told him if he moved up there, he'd have the right to sort of stay on country without all the issues that are currently happening yeah. around the Baragarang and everything else. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, okay. let me know what the word is that you want changing. Yes. Done. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, um, Thanks and for I'll your time. Fix that. And, and do you mind if I edit this to take out the bits where we couldn't hear each other and stuff and make it into a podcast? Is that all right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. Done. Awesome. All right. Thanks okay, so much. Thank Great you. to talk, talk to you. Soon. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.